Welcome to the Dollars and Hops podcast, where we help you optimize your financial future. Here are your hosts, Scott and Lance. Welcome back to the Dollars and Hops podcast. My name is Lance. I'm here with my co-host, Scott. Uh, It's been a little while since we've been back on the pod here. Uh, Actually just got back, my wife Carolyn and I, from uh, an extended trip into the Bahamas, so I'm feeling pretty refreshed. Uh, it, it's been, it was an, an amazing trip. Scott, how are you feeling, man? How are, how are things up there? Things are going well, Lance. Uh, definitely not as tan as you are today. Um, so a little jealous of your trip. Um, but I have quite a few trips coming up myself. So, um, yeah, you do. I'm jealous now. You'll be jealous later. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> today we're going to be hopping into, uh, we're, we're going to be talking about, bear markets and really whether or not we think you should be worried about an impending bear market. I think the the stock market's on an incredible run since uh, really, geez, I guess since March or April timeframe in 2020 when the whole coronavirus outbreak uh, happened. And even before that, the market was on a bull run. So uh, I think some of you out there might be thinking is, is now the time where, where stocks start to turn. So we're, we're going to, we're going to take a dive into that. But before we do, uh, for the, for those of you that do not know, Lance and I will sip on a craft brew each and every episode. And at the end, we will put them head to head and establish a victor. Lance, what are you drinking? I pulled one from your neck of the woods here. Um, for my birthday, Scott, and some friends took me to this brewery in Baltimore. This is the Open Gate Guinness Brewery in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, we saw a Ravens game that trip, Scott. It was it was a pretty awesome trip, I will say. It was, it was and the brewery is incredible. If you've never been, it's definitely worth the trip just for that alone. Um, it, it and this is bringing back memories already. So this is going to be the Baltimore Blonde Ale, uh, brewed right there in Baltimore at the Open Gate Brewery. Guinness, what do you got, Scott? Awesome. Yeah, that was a fun trip, minus uh, Derrick Henry running over the Ravens, but we'll, we'll try to block that out of, the me- out of our memory box. P- playoffs also. play. I mean, that was... Oof. What, are you running for like 200 yards that game or something? I still have nightmares about Derrick Henry just plowing over the entire Ravens defense. Ugh, brutal. Terrible. Brutal. Yep. All right, tonight I am going back to um, Distill Brewery. This is out of Normal, Illinois. They're making their second appearance on the podcast. The last beer I had, I absolutely loved. So I'm trying the Driving That Haze, Hazy IPA. So excited to sip on that tonight. Love it. So, Scott, I think you got one of a you, – you pulled a pretty crazy headline for us this week. What, what are we working with? I was shocked. I was shocked when I saw this one. This one comes from Forbes. Headline reads, Robin Hood Trader may face $800,000 tax bill. <laughs> Sheesh. So basically, I, I reading through this article, it's, it's a guy that was earning $60,000 a year. So like at his day job, he makes $60,000 a year. He made a... Uh, a deposit into his Robinhood account and started trading. I think he, I think he deposited, I want to say it was $40,000 if I remember correctly, but he started trading in and out of GameStop at the end of 2020. And when I say in and out, I'm talking about 
in and out multiple times in the same day. So his trading volume on a daily basis was between $200,000 and $2 million. So we're talking about buying, selling, buying, selling, buying, selling, buying, selling all day. Okay. Like a game, right? It's just a game. Yeah. You know, Robin, no, no big deal. So he had between 10 and 50 trades per day. Now, of course, he gets his, so he had done, uh, they added it all up. He got this 1099. He had done $45 million in trades by the end of 2020. <laughs> and he only deposited, like I said, it was like thousands of dollars, you know, you know, it wasn't million, 40,000. Right. (laughs) So had $45 million worth of trades. He, he takes his, his 1099 to his tax advisor. And they said that they run it through the, you know, the, the turbo tax or the software or whatever they use spits out a number that he owes the IRS $800,000. He had made, in his trades, he had made money. He had made uh, $40,000 in profit. So he had actually made money going in and out, which is crazy. That's hard to do in and of itself. But he owed the IRS on that $40,000 in profit $800,000. You might say, how is that even possible? And I wish we had this headline a couple of weeks ago when we had our friendly neighborhood tax guy on the, on the podcast, because I would love to talk to him about this. But he- We got to talk to Matt. This this kind of comes down to what's called the wash sale rule. Mm. So have you heard of this, Lance? What is the wash sale rule? No, what what, what is this? So Let's tell our listeners. It's an IRS regulation that prohibits someone from claiming a loss by selling and purchasing another of the same or similar security within 30 days. So basically, if you buy GameStop and then you sell it and then you buy it again within... 30 days and you had a loss on that first on that first sale, you're not allowed to claim the loss. So basically the IRS is looking at it as like only looking at the gains and not allowing the losses to count against those gains when they're calculating taxes. So that would be on a, on a buy sell and then an, and then another buy of the same security within 30 days. Right. You cannot count the losses as a taxable loss. So, so yes, Lance, you're correct. You cannot, um, yeah, if, you, if you're buying and selling in and out of the same exact security, if you do it within 30 days of that initial sale, you can't claim that loss against your taxes. So I think this is a really interesting article. Not, not, a, not, not a great strategy. It's, it's not a great strategy. And I think that there's a lot of people that are, that are trading on Robinhood. And we, I don't even think we've heard the beginning of this. Because mm. think about it, Lance. The the whole GameStop, AMC, all that stuff, that was 2021. Mm-hmm. We haven't gotten the 1099s for all of those trades. So if there was other people doing something similar to this, they're going to have a rude awakening come 2022 when they go to file their taxes and they get their 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 1099 from their from their brokerage company and they start loading all this stuff in. It's certainly a possibility that you could end up with a tax bill. So just keep this in mind. If you're the type of person that is trading in and out of these assets, which we obviously don't recommend here on the show, but um, if, if you are, think about the tax implications and know about the wash sale rule. If you don't know about it, research it. It's a very real thing and it can get you into trouble. You don't want to be in a situation where you owe more Man. in taxes than you even made on the trades. And that is the the final kind of exclamation point on the story is like, 
you, you know, used to think, well, it can only go down to zero. I can only lose what I put in, right? Well, that would be true if you were doing long-term investing. But if you're doing day trading, there's all kinds of tax laws that you got to make sure you understand like this rule. So in this case, just to spell it out, kind of boil it down here, this guy made off like thirty or $40,000 he put in, he ended up making $40,000, but owing $800,000 in taxes. So he could have theoretically made nothing, break even, and owed $800,000 in taxes. So, you know, day trading, not a good strategy. We don't promote it. We don't suggest it. Not even really to dabble in it because it's just a good way to kind of lose your money real quick. Um, even if you think it's fun, there's other ways you could spend your money and have some fun. Yep, no doubt, Lance. So let's let's go ahead and dive into the main topic here today. We're, we're going to be talking about what a bear market is and whether or not we think a bear market could actually be coming um, It really now or in the near future because stock stock prices have gotten a little frothy, I guess you could say. It just seems like they just keep going up and up and up and up. And that's the that's that's been the case for you know many many years now. So um, I guess it's 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 important to kind of define really what a bear market is, what it is that we're talking about. So a bear market is when a stock market index experiences a, a decline of prices of at least twenty percent. And as we know from previous episodes, an index is basically just a bunch of stocks that make up a broad range of the of the American economy. So really think think about like the S&P 500. So that's when that index goes down from a pricing standpoint by 20% or more. That's what's considered a bear market. Over any type any period of time in particular or any period of time. Yeah, just any period of time. Yeah. If stock yeah. Stock, yeah. stocks go down 20%, it's it's considered a bear market. Yep, pretty simple. So I think it's important to kind of understand bear markets just in, in general and like how they how they come about. Really, you got to you got to break this down to like its simplest form, which is what is an index? It's made up of stocks. Stock prices are really made up of cash flow, future expectations, profits from companies. Performance, uh, essentially how those companies are performing. Exactly. In the marketplace. And how they how how people expect them to perform in yep. the future. Right. Um, so as growth decreases, expectations can go down on future returns, which can decrease the stock price. So a lot of times we're we're talking about situations where, you know, stocks might go down if you have high unemployment, you have, you know, lower disposable income, uh, decreased productivity. I mean, any of that can influence kind of the share price of any given company. Yep. So you kind of got to look at this from from like a macro level. Yeah, like yeah, even higher unemployment, you know, people don't have disposable income, people aren't having jobs, they're not spending as much money and the economy is not as healthy. So maybe expectations are tampered and stock prices might go down a little bit. You know, all those bits of different economic data, the information coming in from different studies and reports as that information becomes available to the public, it affects stock prices. Yeah, so the so looking at like bear markets, there's the last bear market we had was actually just recently. It was with it was in March of 2020 uh, when we were first locked down due to COVID, and the stock the S and P 500 actually fell by 26.9 percent from its highs. 
earlier in that month. The Dow was down more than 22%. The NASDAQ was down 26% in a single month. So, or it wasn't even a whole month. It was, it was less than a month where all those, all those kind of uh, decreases happened. So, um, you know, you kind of got to do a litmus test with yourself in a way when we're talking about bear markets and, and what could happen, you know, we look at our portfolio values now, it's entirely possible that they could go down by, you know, 26, 30%, whatever the case might be. You kind of got to take a look at what, what did you do during the previous bear market and be able to plan uh, for, for what you would do if a bear market happened today. Yeah. So, I mean, for the majority of our listeners, uh, I would hope, and you know, if you're following our plan or most other plans out there, any other plan, you are investing something for your retirement, for your future. Uh, whether you're 20 years old or 40 years old or 60 years old, hopefully you're investing something into your retirement and you have something in your retirement that is invested in the stock market, maybe index funds, some, some type of exposure you have into the stock market. So even if you didn't have a brokerage account or an after-tax account, you still had investments in the market. And the question is, how did you react when the market went down 20 30% in a single month? And coronavirus was raging. There was fear, uncertainty, and doubt galore. People were holding up in their homes. There were questions of which companies would make it, which businesses would fold, um, impending doom, all these things. And, you know, there's real fear. There's real uncertainty there that, that we can't really ignore. Hindsight's easy. 2020, we know what happened, right? It bounced back. There was a V recovery, um, a V-shaped recovery, meaning like the the graph of the actual recovery was more like not like not a U, but an actual V. So it came back, snapped back pretty quick. So it ended up being a buying opportunity if you had the spare cash to do that. But the point is there are real emotions involved that we we really shouldn't and can't ignore. Right, Scott? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's the way I, so like, I just look back at like, just, just this past year, obviously 2020, I had so many people that called me during that time and said, what, what, what are you doing with your money? And my answer was always the same. Uh, stay in the course, not doing anything crazy. Nothing. Um, (laughs) if anything, what are you selling? What are you buying? I'm not really doing anything. I can remember, I can remember I, I was kind of, you know, I, I keep a little bit of a, some, a pot of money on the side to pay for taxes if, if, if need be. Um, and it was right around that time. And mm-hmm. I remember when the market went down, I was thinking, geez, it'd be nice if I didn't have to pay all this money to the IRS. Yeah. Like, can my tax advisor please tell me if I need to yeah. uh, use this money to pay the IRS or can I buy more stocks? So, um, my reaction was, well, everything's on sale, right? Yeah, yeah. Which, which, which I feel like is, it, it, that's what I, I feel like a lot of people look at it and they're like, oh man, like it's going to keep going down. And like, it could, it could go down, but it's still on sale. So if you're taking that right. long-term, uh, viewpoint, you know, it's still on sale from, from, from a ties. Well, so, and this is actually, um, that is actually how I responded. And it, I was kind of curious a little bit how I would even respond. Cause we hadn't, you know, you and I really hadn't lived through, um, something like this. Well, nobody had before, but I mean like the 08, 09 crash, we weren't investing in the market. Yeah. We had no money. We were in college. 
So just just graduating, right? right. So we 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 didn't really ever ha- experience this. So it was kind of like, hey, this is not a drill. This is really happening. You're watching all your accounts go down. What do you do? And I happened to have a little bit um, extra dollars put aside in addition to my emergency fund that I felt safe. So not my emergency fund exactly, but I was able to kind of like take small amounts and invest all the way down. And that's just one strategy. I'm not saying it was the right strategy. It ended up working out okay, but and I knew there was risk. But I did, as it was plunging, I did kind of put in small chunks about every kind of like three or four days. Um, just And it kept going down and I kept just buying a little more, a little more, a little more. And it wasn't an amount that was going to hurt me, but kind of if you take that approach, like, hey, everything's on sale, everything's on clearance, I'm betting that this will not be a catastrophic event in the end of humanity and if it is then we're all gone anyway <laughs> so it's, right it's yeah kinda, exactly it's, it's like, like <laughs> it's like if it all the, goes the, to zero then everybody's yeah, pretty, the, in pretty bad shape here exactly <laughs> and, and I'm, I'm still betting on the world and the u.s economy very broadly like we talk about index fund investing and so like knowing your your investing strategy when an event like this comes um actually turns it into a little bit of a buying opportunity if you're being due diligent on your monthly budget, you have some excess cash set aside um, beyond your living and giving um, that you're able to kind of take advantage of an opportunity like this. So, uh, you know, bear markets, if they even come, there's always talk. There's always talk about a bear market. Think about this, Scott. So how often do you hear, um, you or any, anybody listening to this, how often do you hear in the media, on TV, uh, oh, all-time record highs, S&P 500. All, yeah. All-time record highs, the Dow Jones. It's the, uh, all 31,000. Oh, it's, now it's at this. All-time record highs. And it's like this, trying to sell this like, uh, so, so what's going to happen next? Oh, it's got to be a bear market because it's an all-time high. What if it, right. but, here, but hold on. Let's pause. Let's zoom out for a minute. Let's zoom out like decades and decades and decades. Let's look at the trend line of this graph. From 1950, from 1920 right. till now. From, I mean, literally any like 30-year, 50-year time period, 100-year time period, let's look at it. Let me tell you something. If you want to go look at it, Google it for yourself. It goes up and to the right. Right. Broadly. So, so it's always you know, an all-time it, high. It's always, <laughs> it's always at an all-time high. It's like that's a that's a headline that's always happening because it's always up and to the right. Thank you for that's the point I was trying to make. I got a little lost there. But <laughs> the whole point is that it's always up and to the right, and that there's always an impending bear market at some point. And and so at some point, the pundits will be right. There will be a bear market that will come. We know they come, they're they're cyclical. It will happen. Is it soon or not? Who knows? I don't know. Yeah. We don't know. So, so Lance, what I thought was interesting when I was doing some research for this episode, you know, we had, obviously I went through the coronavirus uh, decreases in the market, but the Great Recession, you had a 51% decline from the high on the S&P 500. You had the dot-com bubble that was like 45% or so. Uh, you had the Great Depression. Great Depression was insane. 83% from, from, its, from, from its high, right? Mm. So- but what I found in, the most interesting is that these bear markets are very much short-lived. Mm. We have these long bull markets, but 
bear markets are pretty short-lived if you really look through history. So most of them, if you look uh, two, three, or four years out from from the bottom, you're back at all-time highs. That's that's amazing, and that's the that's the kind of information and education that equips you to be prepared for a bear market and understanding. Well, what's the history of that? We have some history to look at here. When you understand that, it allows you to be more confident and to be a little bit more stress-free, even when a bear market comes, because you you know what you're essentially betting on. Right. And it's the U.S. and global economy. Yeah. Things aren't going to go down for forever and ever. You have to you have to bet on on kind of, um, you know, capitalism in and of itself that, you know, it's been around for so long. It's been successful for so long. And, you know, these companies will come out of these these recessions and, um, you know, they'll grow to, to new heights. And you have to remember also, like if you're invested in a broadly diversified portfolio, yeah, there might be companies that don't make it, but you're not making individual bets on individual stocks and investing a, a large portion of your net worth in one specific company. So there might be companies that come and go, but from a broad market standpoint, these bear markets, they don't last a whole lot of time. And you should really look at them as an opportunity to get in at a much lower price. It's it's exactly. it, it's a discount and you know or you know we we don't know 100% but we know from history that all the bear markets have kind of turned into bull markets eventually. That's right. And you're just you just got to you just got to discount. And even if you don't have investment accounts at a post tax like like we said earlier, um, hopefully you're investing 10 or 15% of your paycheck into your company's 401k plan or or you know, monthly you're you're investing into a Roth IRA or something like that, where it's a cadence to it, and it's every two weeks or it's once a month or it's going on. And, and here's what I want to say to the listener who is doing that right now: that's awesome. You keep doing that, and if a bear market comes, guess what? You're totally prepared. And now every monthly transaction you make or every biweekly transaction uh, from your paycheck that goes right into your 401k, you're getting those shares at a discounted rate. So when there's a bear market, you actually get to think to yourself, wow, stocks are down right now, you know, market bear market, it, people are going crazy on TV, on the radio, whatever, making headlines, but I'm I'm getting shares of these companies at lower prices and over the course of decades, which is what I'm investing for, it will do even that much better because my cost base is, is lower. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And uh, I, I mean, you might be sitting there thinking, okay, well, what does this, what does this mean right now? Like, you know, the market's kind of gotten, it's, it's at all time highs all the time. Right. So are <laughs> we, are we going to see a bear market? And, and I mean, I think, I think the answer is nobody really knows. I did some research here and the S and P 500 from a price to earnings ratio generally like over the course of time, it averages about 18 to 19 times um, the, the, the price to earnings ratio is about 18 to 19. Right now, the S&P 500 is sitting about 41. So by that measure, we would say it's overvalued. But there's a whole lot more that go into stock prices than just a price to earnings mm -hmm. ratio. It also, you know, you could you could factor in growth. And if, if we think that there's going to be a lot more growth than there normally is, it would make sense that the S and P 500 is trading at 41 times earnings. So, um, 
I, I guess the answer uh, as to whether or not there is a impending bear market is probably we don't know. It's totally possible. But if there is, look at that as an opportunity to buy at a discount because it won't last long. Yeah, I think the, I, that's right. Exactly, Scott. Well said. And, you know, the question itself, I think, even comes a li- I'm not knocking the question. Because I think, hey, is there a bear market coming? I think that's a legitimate question, and it's something good to ponder and talk about. But even the question itself kind of lends itself to more of a timing the market strategy. Yeah. With Which is like, hey, is there a bear market coming? Because if there is, I might want to pull everything out and then jump back in when it's all lower. And then and then ride it up and then pull it back out. And, and hey, we've talked about this time and time again on this podcast. Timing the market strategies whether it's with one stock or whether it's with index funds, even not a good strategy long-term because you can't time the market. Let me help you with, you cannot do it. If you think you can do it, please don't try. And if you need to try, let us know when you come back, because it's going to be, you're going to come back to us and be like, I tried, I lost a ton of money. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. And I'm just telling you, you can't time the market. And the best way to invest is, for the long term, put it in there little bits at a time. Let compound interest grow. Yeah, not to mention, you. Lance, the tax consequences of going in and out. Like as we Ooh. hit on that article, I mean, oh. you don't want to you don't want to be oh, trying so to time it because you could you could run into some pretty big tax consequences. And that's great, great, great point. All right, Lance, let's go ahead and get into some questions that need answers. If you're out there and you have a question and you want us to answer it on the pod, please send us an email, questions at dollarsandhops.com. That's questions at dollarsandhops.com. This first one comes from Ken. Uh, Lance, this one says, my wife and I are currently maxing out our retirement accounts and we're thinking of buying an investment property. What factors should we consider before starting to diversify our assets into real estate investing? Man, Ken, this is a great question. And it's awesome that you're maxing out your retirement accounts. Way to go. That's big. That's um, a great first step. Uh, I, I think diversifying into real estate investing is can be a great idea, and it does depend on a lot of factors. So I'm glad you asked the question that way. What factors should we consider? The truth is there's a lot of factors to consider. And the truth is that this question is way bigger than I could give in just a few minutes here. But I do have some thoughts and ideas. I first want to say, check out the Bigger Pockets podcast. Um, bigger Pockets real estate podcast. I that. They're, or they're, the, bigger, the Bigger Pockets fin- uh, money podcast also. Both of those podcasts by Bigger Pockets are, are incredible. I listen to them. They're very entertaining. I learn something from them every single time. Um, and they just have a great approach to real estate investing. Both Scott and I do have some real estate um, investments that we work with, with, um, you know, both long and short term rentals. And I think there's a lot we've learned over the years and that I continue to learn and that I would do maybe a little differently now. But um, the, the truth is, I, I, I see it as a great investment. I think it could be a good idea. There's a couple of kind of big ideas to think about before you just jump into real estate. And the first one is proximity. Um, where are you in location to the area? Do you know the area well? Um, do you understand um, uh, the price points? I know right now in Charleston, where I live, the housing market is so crazy that I recently kind of took a look at everything and I had to walk away just because everything was so expensive that there's something called the 1% rule, which is not a 
hard and fast rule, but it's more of a back of the envelope kind of rule where, you know, for 1% of a property's value, if you could rent it for that on a monthly, like long-term lease. So like if month, if a property, a townhome, let's say is $150,000, if you could rent it for $1,500, it's probably a property that's worth diving in and doing more number crunching on. Um, in fact, it definitely is, especially in today's market. Um, so that's kind of an idea of, of where to start looking. Um, I, I think find yourself a real estate investment professional who is friendly towards real estate in, in investors, not just a, a primary, um, primary residence uh, purchaser. Um, I think also be reminded that it is a business if you're doing it as an investment. It is it's not as passive income as I think a lot of people lead it on to be. Um, sure, you can hire a um, uh, property management company that's going to take something like 10% of the monthly rent and manage the tenants and get tenants in, evict them if necessary, maintain the property, handle any calls, that kind of thing, and then feed you a statement every single month. That is a great hands-off way to go, but you're still involved. There's not really any such thing as truly passive, or it's not truly as passive as like an index fund investing would be, but there's also a chance to make a lot more return on real estate investing. Um, there's just a t there's just so much to look at. You got to think about insurance. You got to think about HOA. You got to think about principal and interest, uh, down payment. Um, you have to, I really would just point you to bigger pockets podcast. Cause I think they do all that. That's like their, their whole world, um, on, on what they look at, but, um, the home will likely appreciate over time, which is a benefit to having another asset in your portfolio on your net worth tracker. That's going to be going up over time, whether you buy it for cash or whether you buy it on a mortgage. Um, I think cash flow is immensely important. And so when I'm looking at something like that, I want to make sure I have adequate cash flow, positive net margin on a monthly cash flow, meaning that if I'm going to think about a rental property, I want to make sure that I'm going to put 20% down minimum to get rid of P, uh, PMI. I want to have, uh, you know, so that would be principal interest. I want to include, I want to calculate and not guess, but I want to actually find out what the taxes are on that investment property, which in South Carolina, it's a lot higher than a primary residence. Um, I want to know what the HOA is, if, if it's monthly, quarterly, annually, whatever it is, break that down into a monthly calculation. Basically, I want to know what my all-in expenses are monthly. And then I want to know the rental market. And I want to know if I, can, if I could get rent that would be enough above that mortgage that would make sense for me. And then you want to have a slush fund kind of on the side that you know, is basically built up that, hey, if the AC goes out, guess what? You're responsible. You got you to gotta replace that. Something There's a leak in the roof. You got to get that fixed. So you need to make sure you have enough capital that you're able to capitalize any repairs or major uh, outages or fixes that need to be done on that property. So there's just, there is a lot. There is a lot to think about. It's not as quick and easy as you might think, but I think there's tremendous opportunity um, in certain markets um, right now is a seller's market, just to be real. Um, but uh, Bigger Pockets podcast, they, they'll do a way better job than I just did. But um, if you're interested, definitely head over to those guys. They're awesome. Yeah. And um, I, I mean, I think the main takeaway here is it's a business. Bigger Pockets does a good job. Uh, they have something called their 
calculators. You can actually download, uh, if you do like a Google search for bigger pockets calculators, you can go in and download their calculators and it'll, it'll break out all the expenses that you need to be thinking about that you might not be thinking about right now. But I mean, with three, there's three ways to make money in real estate. It's the appreciation, it's the cash flow, and it's the equity that your mm. tenant is, is, is basically, uh, you know, helping you receive is that, you know, that equity. So it, it is, it's definitely not a passive investment, right? It, that's right. So that, that, I think that's the main thing to take away there. Yeah. So Scott, we got a question here um, from Stephanie. Stephanie writes in, what are your thoughts on pet insurance? I just adopted a puppy and our vet was telling us to consider pet insurance. Scott, what do you think? I know you got a couple dogs, man. Got a youngin. Got a, got a, you got a puppy also. So, uh, you know, dr- drop some knowledge. Lance, I do. I, yeah, I, I actually go back and forth on this. So <clears throat> it's, it's tough. So um, I, I get why you would consider pet insurance. There's no doubt about it, especially after owning a, a you know a few dogs myself. Um, it seems like if it could go wrong, it does. Um, my advice here is it would probably it definitely would hurt me um, <laughs> because it it has like I have not bought pet insurance. Uh, that's I guess that's my answer. But I think it's it's dependent upon whether or not you can afford things out of pocket. So if you can afford to pay for things like surgeries because you have, you know, sufficient emergency fund and you have sufficient money in your budget to pay for a surgery if something happens to your dog. Um, you know, if there's major medical expenses and you can afford to pay for those out of pocket, I would not recommend insuring. Uh, however, if you're if you don't have the extra money in your budget or like in an emergency fund and you're really living month to month, I actually would consider buying pet insurance if it fits into your monthly budget because it will take away, you know, uh, you'll only have so much liability out on the line on certain, certain things that could happen. Um, I've been unlucky enough to have many of those mm. things happen in my mm. in my life mm. so it's it seems like it's like kind of crazy that i'm even saying this but i wouldn't recommend pet insurance i would instead recommend you basically take the money that you t- that you would normally pay for pet insurance put it in a maybe like an ally bank account and save it and that way if something comes up you have the money there to pay for it um or, you know, hopefully you have most of the money to pay for it. I don't, I, I just generally don't recommend insuring things that you can afford to replace. I, I completely agree. And, that, you know, that's why we say have a three to six month emergency fund. You know, I mean, if, it, right. if, if you love your, your pet, your, your puppy in this situation that much and something terrible happens to it years down the road, um, you know, depending on the cost, look, you have it in your, um, in your emergency fund likely. And you can decide at that point um, to spend it uh, and to get it done to take care of that dog. But, um, yeah, I think that's that's great advice. Sage advice, Scott. Sage. <laughs> Thanks, Lance. All right, Lance. So we let's let's get into the beer here. Uh, we got the hops showdown portion of the pod. Lance, you want to start us off with that? amazing yeah, brew that you had i think this one this is, this is one of my wife's favorite by the way that you're rating Oof, so no, no lot of pressure, pressure here a lot of pressure 
I need to first, I, you know, I forgot to give a shout out to uh, mom and dad, Pop, mom and pops here, uh, Tammy and Larkin. Thank you for the beer. I think this was an Easter beer that they brought up to the house and we were celebrating Easter um, here at our house in Charleston. They brought me this special beer and the can art's awesome or the bottle art. It's got like the flag. It's very Maryland. It, the Maryland flag. Very it's Maryland. so Maryland. Yeah. For those of you and, that uh, don't know, Guinness, the only... The only brewery that they have in North America is right here in, in Baltimore. So, yeah, you know, and it's huge. It's a huge facility. It's not like a little, uh, I don't know, your your neighborhood pub or something, neighborhood craft brew place. It's it is a massive and it's beautiful. They did an awesome job with it. I was blown away by it. Um, so, mom and dad gifted this beer to the pod, and um, yeah, it was great. I think I did have this one on a flight when we were in Baltimore, Scott, and I remember thinking like. Typically, a blonde doesn't do it for me because it doesn't have the hops. You know, once you go hops, you can't go back. It's like you just your taste buds get acquainted to that hoppy flavor. And, um, you know, this blonde is it's dry and just real crisp and um, got a clean finish, too. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I it's refreshing, man. It's like totally refreshing would be great on like a boat out on a beach or something. Sun shining, you know, Bahama weather. Uh, it would have been great in the Bahamas. I should have figured out a way to get down there. I'm going to give it a 90, a 90, nine zero for the Baltimore blonde. That's awesome, Lance. All right. So I was just taking a sip of my, of my distilled brew. Um, so actually I had distilled brew on a previous episode. You know, I had it and I was like, man, this is amazing. Maybe it should be the highest rated. I don't know. Gave it a 94. And then after I gave it a 94, all I could think about was, why did I only give it a 94? It was unbelievable. Distilled Brewing. I've never heard of this place. <laughs> Picked up a couple at my local uh, my local liquor store. It was unbelievable. I, I can't stop thinking about it. They got them there in, uh, in Maryland? Yeah. You got them in oh, Maryland? I, yeah, Maryland, I don't know. They ship it, they oh, ship wow. it to my local store. So so wow. um, tonight I was, you know, going through my, my, my little, you know, my, my little selection and i uh, picked up one and it was distilled brewing and i was like oh this is great i'm gonna definitely try this and it's another hazy the the previous one i had was uh, uh haze of the dead which was awesome i should rate it a higher 94 was not high enough if i had to go back i'd rate it a 96 <laughs> this one driving that haze hazy ipa this place nails the hazies nails <laughs> It's your favorite brew. It's awesome. So if anybody from Distills Distill Brewing is listening, you know, invite us, invite us to Illinois, you know. We'll do a pod. Get us out the normal. Get us out the normal. We need to Illinois. go to normal. We'll, we'll I mean, I'm I'm from Illinois, so it'd be cool. And I'll um, bring the kids. It'll be great. So this was awesome. I don't even know what I'm tasting. It's like oh, uh it's like a mango-y, like melony, like I, I I don't know. It's like it's it's definitely a citrusy IPA, but um, you know, not too much like orange flavors. Awesome. Awesome. Amazing. This I'm going to make up. This is my, this is my new, my new high score. I'm going 96. It's going to be a tie with what was that beer that you had? The ghost, uh, what was it called? Oh, the space, space dust, dust. Man. space Elysium dust. Brewing. So we got, we, it, oh. we're going to tie it with the, with the Elysium, uh, brewing, uh, space. I can't dust. believe it. Amazing, man. I got to try that. It's awesome. Distilled brewery. Yeah, distilled. Nice. Yeah. Well done, Scott. 
take us out, man. All right. I'm going to leave everybody with our action step. Are you trying to predict whether the market will go up or down? If you are, stop it. The best action that you can do when worrying about a bear market is to do nothing or to invest more. Stay the course with a long-term investing horizon and you will ride out the bear market and come out of the other end much better off. This is Lance. This is Scott. Live and give on less than you make and invest the difference. Dollars and hops out. You have been listening to the Dollars and Hops podcast. Optimizing your financial future starts with taking action today. Got a question? Shoot us an email at questions at dollarsandhops.com and the guys will tackle it on a future episode. Visit our website, dollarsandhops.com for show notes and the craft brew lineup for each episode. And please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Thanks for listening.